God help us. Oh man, do we need help from uh, the Lord? All of us do, and we look at everything going on in the world. Uh, let me connect some dots for you. Years ago, probably about 10 years ago, I was recording some TV programs with a gentleman named Frank Eichler. He was the founder and president of a TV ministry called Shalom International, and uh, Frank was a very wise man. And uh, one day I was asking him about the Jews as we were watching the Aliyah, Jews making their Aliyah from different parts of the world. And the Bible's very clear. God says, I will draw them from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And we could tell that for the most part, Jews would leave certain areas when anti-Semitism increased and they would make their Aliyah. They would go back to the land. And, we, and I asked him, well, what's it going to take to get Jews to leave America? And uh, he brought up simply, hey, in parts of Florida, where you have a lot of Jews, or Los Angeles, New York, and so forth, he said it's going to be an increase of anti-Semitism. At the time, 10 years ago, you couldn't see it increasing, uh, but now we do. And he said it's, the day is going to come. Uh, folks, we're watching that. And again, I just want to say, God help us. Um, by the way, I have a weekly email I send out with a newsletter and attached video devotion. You can get that just by connecting with us. The one sent out this week was from Psalm 3. It's just a reminder uh, where David wrote when he was fleeing from Absalom, Lord, how they have increased to trouble me. There's many who rise up against me. And then as you go further down, he's got his trust in the Lord. And he said, I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me all around. And then he closes out that that chapter, uh, Psalm verse 3, with salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Uh, listen, we're going to get into some difficult areas here in just a minute. And again, I want to encourage you. Uh, to, listen, we just we trust in the Lord. Salvation belongs to him. And his blessing is upon his people. A couple of notes. Uh, tonight, uh, Wednesday evening, Listen, I am going to be doing a prophecy update, uh, talking about the nation of Israel. We're going to pray for Israel and what's going on in the world at the 412 Church in San Jacinto, California, tonight, November 1st, if you're watching this on Wednesday, and you can arrive there. Uh, it's in uh, San, uh, Southern California, 412 Church. And also, on uh, November 11th and 12th, I'll be with Billy Crone at his conference in Las Vegas and Brandon Holdhouse, November 18 and 19. You can check out the details for each of those at the website at hopeforourtime.com under the um, events. Okay, so let's get, let's get going. And again, I want to remind you of this one thing. Again, where David says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Again, if you want the free email, it's free to sign up. Go for it. You can do that on the website. But your blessing belongs, uh, is upon your people, Lord. Let us remember that, okay? I'm going to show you a video. It's not horrible atrocity where you see really things that you just can't look at. But the video itself is going to be shocking to some of you and, and uh, others of you. I hope you don't say, wow, that's great, because uh, there's a problem there. Um, but I'm going to show you this video. It's showing up almost everywhere now. But it's going to help you to understand a narrative and it's going to help you understand what is coming. And, and listen, I urge you, be prayed up because you're about to see 
a lot more of this, a lot more of what you're going to see in the video. You're going to see a lot more of it in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, this is coming, and again, it's a reminder of my, my friend's uh, words, Frank Eichler's words. What's it going to take for people, Jews, to leave America and uh, make their aliyah to Jerusalem? So watch this video. I'll be back in just a second. Hello, my name is Christopher Wood. I'm going to go through and talk a little bit about things that people may not know. Everyone understands there's disease, but the fear that they've pushed is to such a great extent to try to control and manipulate us. So I'm going to talk about who's actually behind it. Who was in charge of the CDC that was controlling and telling our government to shut down small businesses and what they recommend for the mandate? The director of the CDC was Rochelle Walensky, dual citizenship with Israel. She's a Jew. Deputy director of the CDC, Ann Shawalchik, dual citizenship with Israel, Jew. CDC chief of staff, Sherry Berger, dual citizenship with Israel, Jew. CDC chief medical officer, Mitchell Wolf, dual citizenship with Israel, Jew. Chris, CDC director of the Chris, Washington office. I'm gonna this ask is, this you... is pertinent to the topic. Let's, let's work through this, all right? You saw that? Think of this. The Holocaust was not just a murder of six million Jews. It was... Also, the moral blindness of a nation. During those dark days of the 1930s and 40s, the world saw Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 come to life, where Isaiah wrote, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Nazi Germany was a living embodiment of human beings professing themselves to be wise while becoming fools. Uh, being given over to vile passions, Romans chapter 1, and being filled with all unrighteousness. The Bible teaches that these things will become more common as the end of the age approaches. Many will lose the ability to think straight, being consumed with brutish anger, unable to distinguish good from bad or right from wrong. Uh, since October 7th, these mental deficiencies have grown exponentially. On Sunday, for example, in Russia, a group of rioting protesters tried to intercept a flight from Tel Aviv. Why? Because it would have, uh, have Jews on board. Uh, word went out earlier in the day that the flight was coming. Organizers called, according to the Washington Post, for people, there's a quote, to go to the airport and catch Israelis on the flight. When the flight landed, dozens of people broke past security and onto the tarmac. Passengers from Israel who were about to disembark were ordered back onto the plane. Russian officials say it was a crowd of about 1,200 people. Many carried Palestinian flags and shouted, Allah Akbar. Uh, they searched the airport's terminals looking for Israeli or Jewish passengers. They demanded to see passports. A video shows them stopping cars to ask motorists if they were carrying Jews. As the mob crashed through the terminal, protesters could be heard shouting anti-Semitic slogans. And one writer explained, we came for the Jews to kill them with a knife and shoot them. Uh, in Madrid, officials estimate that around 35,000 people took to the streets to demand a ceasefire in Gaza. Similar scenes uh, played out around the world, all of them featuring vast numbers of signs written in English, probably for the consumption of Americans. The UN agreed with the Madrid pro uh, protesters passing a non-binding resolution calling for a ceasefire. But a ceasefire in Gaza right now uh, would not bring peace to that region. 
It would instead ensure another war as soon as Hamas is replenished with Iranian weapons and Qatari cash. It would tell the terrorists that they can get away with atrocities no matter how despicable. A ceasefire now would ensure future war and evil's victory, not just in Israel, but everywhere. Across the world on Saturday, October 28, hundreds of thousands marched on behalf of the terrorists. In London, police estimate uh, that a turnout of between 50 and 70,000. In India's southern state of Kerala, 100,000 marched for Hamas. In Malaysia, demonstrators chanted anti-Israel slogans in front of the U.S. Embassy. There were also rallies uh, for the terrorists in Copenhagen, Rome, Stockholm, Istanbul, Paris, and New Zealand's capital of Wellington. Uh, in Berlin, feminists marched in solidarity with people who view women as little more than chattel. And many of these rallies featured LGBTQ plus flags, but those flags usually didn't last long in crowds filled with radical Muslims. Thousands rallied in San Francisco, apparently unaware that Muslim groups like Hamas view that city with particular disdain and hatred. If Hamas leaders could push a button to blow San Francisco from the face of the earth, uh, they would do it happily. Radical Muslim groups affiliated with Hamas have drowned homosexuals, maimed them, and thrown them off tall buildings. Uh, President Erdogan of Turkey spoke to a crowd reportedly in the hundreds of thousands. He took the occasion to threaten sending troops into Israel. He also warned the United States of an impending war between the cross and the crescent. That doesn't mean war with Israel, but with us in the United States. By the cross, of course, he meant Christians, or, or at least the descendants of Christians. By the crescent, he referred to the crescent moon shape that symbolizes Islam. That's part of the strong evidence that Allah was originally considered a moon god among ancient peoples of that region. Anti-Israel rallies continued in New York, where thousands gathered on the Brooklyn Bridge. And in Grand Central Station, New York is home to somewhere between 1.6 and 2 million Jews. In what was considered one of the friendliest places to Jews on earth, many Jews feared for their lives and followed repeated warnings to stay inside with doors bolted. Uh, Pro-Hamas demonstrators also marched in Detroit, Chicago, and several other American cities. In Detroit, as in Paris and many of the other cities I've, I've listed, a high percentage of the protesters were immigrants from the Middle East. Ironically, these Muslims have joined forces with communist totalitarians, white supremacists, militant homosexuals, and other extremists. These groups have only one thing in common, sometimes in ignorance, and sometimes with intention. They're working for a new final solution to the Jewish problem, a new and final Holocaust. One of the most common play cards in, the New, in New York read, by any means necessary. There's a radical group in the United States that goes by this name, by any means necessary, or BAM, B-A-M-N. Uh, by their own admission, they're radical leftists. According to the ACLU, in the past, the FBI believed BAM uh, to be involved in terrorist activities. But the slogan has been widely adopted outside that organization uh, by protesters against Israel. Consider the implications, by any means, includes the use of rape as a political military weapon. Uh, the Hamas terrorists proved that on October 7. That's part of what it means to say, by any means necessary. Whatever it takes, do anything. Behead babies, burn families out of their homes, slaughter old people, anything. Destroy democracy, steal human rights, 
Their mantra justifies all evil. It's an ugly anti-human slogan. The by any means necessary people see ordinary Americans as their enemies. That means all things Hamas did to Israelis, they see as appropriate for our people in our neighborhoods. What would they want to do to us? They justify Hamas barbarianism by saying they're working toward decolonization. That puts a target on the back of every American because all of us have ancestors that came from somewhere else. If another 9-11 happened and these people were consistent, they would stand firmly on the side of the terrorists. But this isn't really about decolonization. It's about the deep-stated hatred of Jews written into the hearts of vast numbers of people all around the world. Yes, I know that some of the protesters in New York were Jews, but they are a long way from Israel, and I don't think they know what they're really facing. Many of them would like to appease their enemies. Many of them don't know the history of the land of Israel through the centuries or even the last 150 years. They don't think these young Jews understand that the tendency to blame Jews for every evil is a deep impulse in the human psyche. Uh, they don't get that they are fighting an ancient enemy and that uh, enemy would destroy them if given the opportunity. To stand with Hamas has nothing to do with the rights and fair treatment of Palestinians. Hamas, from the very beginning, has been about the dissolution of the Jewish state and the destruction of Jews as a people. And hundreds of thousands of anti-Israel protests agree with them. Don't believe me? Then believe them. Listen to their own words. They're telling us their agenda. Uh, when they chant, Hitler was right. Gas the Jews. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. They stand with the neo-Nazis holding tiki torches and shouting, the Jews will not replace us. As much as these groups despise one another, they share a common motivation and a common goal. They hate Jews and want to wipe off the face of the earth, the Jews, forever. It's illogical for these completely different kinds of groups to work together for a common cause. But as the saying goes, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. From a secular point of view, it makes no sense. But from a biblical point of view, it makes perfect sense. They serve their master, the one Jesus called the prince of this world. God made promises to the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those promises will find their ultimate fulfillment in the return of Jesus. Satan is actually trying to prove Jesus wrong. It's not going to work. He will one day reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But there's an entity in the world willing to stop that by any means necessary. Because of this, blame the Jews as an ancient refrain echoing through world history. Have a depression? The Jews did it. A war? Blame it on the Jews. A communist rise in Russia? It must be the Jews. All of that is because the prince of this world believes his only chance to defeat omnipotent God is by making it impossible for God to keep his word. Jesus, as far as the enemy can see, can't return to Jerusalem. That's what he's trying to eliminate, the Jews from the face of the earth. Let's look at the so-called occupation. The Six-Day War of 1967 happened because Israel had to defend itself against the aggression of several Arab powers, including its immediate neighbors, Egypt, Jordan, Syria, and Lebanon. They had Israel surrounded before that war even began. But during those six days, Israel took the Golan Heights from Syria in the north. It took the Gaza Strip from Egypt in the south, 
from Jordan in the east, Israel took East Jerusalem, along with the ancient Israeli lands of Judea and Samaria. Uh, they're commonly called the West Bank, referring to its position in relation to the Jordan River. East Jerusalem includes the Temple Mount. Yet for the sake of peace, Israel continues to allow Muslims control of that area. Even so, for the first time in almost 2,000 years, Israel's ancient capital again belonged to Israel. They took it from an enemy bent on their nation's utter destruction. And here's the interesting thing. Jordan does not want Judea and Samaria back, and Egypt doesn't want Gaza back. Israel did not take these lands from the nation of Palestine because in the history of the world, there has never been a nation of Palestine. Israel has been so desirous of peace that it has been willing to buy into the two-state solution even though they knew it would create a new nation full of mortal enemies next door. Israel was more than willing to allow Gaza and most of the West Bank to form a new nation called Palestine. To give peace a chance, Israeli leaders made deals that undercut their own security and made their own people vulnerable. But the Palestinians either backed out at the last minute or they entered the agreements, never intending to fulfill their end of the bargain. The Oslo Accords are a great example. The Palestinians agreed to renounce the use of terrorism and other acts of violence. That never happened. It never came close to happening. The Palestinian Authority agreed to recognize the nation of Israel, but their schools continued to teach children horrible lies about Jews stealing their land and the necessity of wiping Israel off the mat. Public schools taught Palestinian children the glories of martyrdom, teaching them that their families would be financially rewarded and that martyrs would go immediately to heaven if they died killing Jews and suicide bombings. Hamas hated even the small concessions the PA made at the Oslo Accords. The founding documents of Hamas state that it is their duty as Muslims to destroy the Jewish state. More than 100 Columbia University professors recently signed a document justifying Hamas atrocities. It said, military operations and state violence did not begin that day, but rather represented a military response by a people who had endured crushing and unrelenting state violence from an occupying power. To butcher children and their mothers is not a military action. It is about something deeper, pure hate. From before Israel became a nation, Muslim Arabs by and large hated the Jews and wanted to destroy them. That hate and desire to kill did not happen because of Jewish settlers in Judea and Samaria. It was already full-grown before Jewish settlers ever set foot in that area. They say the hate and desire to kill came as a result of Israel putting up walls and checkpoints. They need to look at history. Israel put up walls and checkpoints because of suicide bombers and other terrorists. The walls are a result of hate, not the cause of it. The ancient rage among the nations starts with a rebellion against God and it manifests itself as hatred of Jews. It has little to do with the modern state of Israel because it was around for millennia before 1948. It is the same hatred that lifted Hitler to power in Germany and fueled his murder spree across the world. And it's happening again, but this time because of globalism and travel and technology, the world is smaller more interconnected, and the weapons are beyond imagining. Mindless rage engulfs more and more of our whole world. Chaos descends and chaos rises. 
regular people are horrified at how dangerous the planet has become. I don't think it will be long before Satan presents a solution in the form of a man, Antichrist. But before that, Christians will be gone. We will be raptured. Listen, I want to encourage you to put your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. May God help us. We can see everything going exactly the way Jesus warned, exactly the way the Old Testament authors warned, exactly the way uh, the other books of the New Testament warned. Everything's going that way, but ultimately our hope is in Jesus. He is coming again. Satan is trying to stop that plan by eliminating the Jews. That's what's going on. Listen, he's not going to be able to do that. Jesus will come again. But the most important thing is to know that Jesus came. And anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. You must trust Christ for the forgiveness of your sins because God's judgment is coming. Listen, we have hope. May God help us trust in the Lord. And remember the words of David in Psalm 3, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.